Hey there, fight fans. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe this episode of Combat Sports Talk. Welcome to Combat Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated to UFC and Bellator discussion, the MMA community, and combat sports in general. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and joining me this week is the man with the keys to victory, John Keyes. Hey, what's happening, everybody? See, I got use of my left hand now. Yeah. Oh, look at that. You can wax on and you can wax off. Wax off, but don't ask for too much after that. It, you know, it's just it, that's pretty much the end of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on, man? How you been? Hey, I am I am great. You know, it has been a long time since we've done the show. So, you know, yeah, what I wanted to do was just to give everybody a little bit of a catch up as to where the heck we've been. So, uh, you know, I'll start off. Uh, two Sundays ago, I had just landed in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I did a promo from the 20th story of our hotel, which we had like a kind of a um, rooftop, you know, community area. And so, Uh you know, I I was like, oh, yeah. So what I'm going to do is, you know, this week I didn't get a chance to do it, but you got UFC 265 coming up. I'm going to I'm going to be in Virginia Beach. I'm going to be able to do the show from Virginia Beach. All this expectation. So I'm like, hey, we'll 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 be live next week, you know, next Sunday. And then. I got to Virginia Beach, and that place was a madhouse. So really? um, I didn't get to watch UFC 265. I didn't oh. even I didn't get to do uh, the show last week. I didn't even get to make a promo. So I so so basically, I apologize to the fans out there because they're like, "Wait, he said we were going to do a show net last week, and he didn't even tell us what happened." So I apologize. It was literally a madhouse. I had been gone for ten days, driving up from Ale- from from Atlanta, Georgia to charlotte north carolina where i nearly Whoa. drowned then i went to no 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 hold on hold on i apologize atlanta georgia to columbia south carolina to charlotte where i nearly drowned to uh to, to raleigh then from raleigh to richmond and then from richmond to virginia beach and then we flew back to dallas from norfolk and so that wow. was that was that's where i have been Okay, so, uh, 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 you know, I've been through those areas except for Hotlanta, you know, congratulations mm-hmm. on that. But um, I was trained in, in Columbia, South Carolina, because that's where Fort Jackson is lo- located okay. as well. Uh, right. I, uh, to Raleigh, all up in that area. It, it's mountainous, it's beautiful, and it's kind of dangerous, too, at the same time. So I'm glad he went there. Uh, as for myself, you know... Uh, a month ago, well, three, four weeks ago, I was in a shoulder sling. Okay, right. And, you, you look yeah. like the the guy off of Gladiator, where, where you yeah, know. Yeah, I was a, looking like Crixus, man. That's why I was yeah. Crixus off of Spartacus. Yeah, yeah, right. So, um, what basically happened was we went ahead and had the surgery on the second. Okay, on the second of August, and it was it was it was a good surgery. It was best case scenario, meaning that basically whatever they saw on the scans. That's exactly what they what they dealt with. So with that said, um, it was a great it was a great surgery. I'm still recovering. Um, um, basically, the first couple of days I had a nerve block in there, and you know I couldn't couldn't do anything with this arm. It was literally just there. But once it once the nerve block 
roll, you know, wore off, then the pain set in. And so I've just basically just been on, you know, basically pain meds and, and anime. That's, that's basically been what I've been doing. Um, All right. I, yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, you know, I, I, I guess now you, you, you get a little bit of a, um, you know, of an insight as to what it must like must be like for fighters who get injured in a fight and have to do that recovery process. You know, whenever you, you, you know, you, you blow out your shoulder, you get a broken bone or something like that, that recovery process can be long. And so you've, you've definitely gotten um, a taste of what that's like. Exactly. And on top of that, I understand because I'm a very stubborn person. Anybody who knows me um, knows I am a very, very stubborn person. I do not like not being in control. And that's not necessarily say I'm a control freak. I'm talking about control of what I do. Okay, right. so um, two things have happened. One, that, you know, being on these pain meds, you kind of lose a little control, okay? And that's kind of the reason why I've been off of social media because I've, I've learned that um, I get a little reckless. My mouth gets a little reckless when I'm on pain yeah. meds. So. <laughs> you, you, you already got that gallows humor. Like, we don't want to see you, you know, John Keys <laughs> unleashed, right? It's like you've, yeah, got, that, you've yeah. got that, you know, armed forces humor. Like, I can't even handle you sometimes. When you're not, you know, <laughs> under the influence of pain meds, I can't even imagine what you would say if you uh, had the filter turned off. Oh man, uh, Superman has no, 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 no bone with me as far as control over what you can really do. Uh, trust <laughs> me. All right. So, um, with that said, though, I can understand, especially if a fighter lost mm-hmm. uh, and got injured, I can understand how they feel about the the anxiety and the frustration of not being able to get back in there. My job, you know, at, at work, I pretty much, you know, my boss told it to me in the nicest way possible, but she said I was benched, meaning yeah. I can't really do anything. And that, and me being the team player that I am, I, that, 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 that while I'm okay with that because the rest of the team can pull, can pull their, their own weight, magnificently Mm -hmm. i still am benched and i can't handle it so you know i get the fighter's frustration especially and and on the loss and on top of that you know throwing a little paranoia in there because you're like how do people feel about me now you know i haven't heard from these people i i really didn't hear from you for for uh uh, for a while there mr mr smith even though i understood completely understood that you were out there you know traveling the great griswold summer vacation Sure was, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I got it, but it was still the fact. So I just want to say, anybody who's who you know who is watching this, you know, if you reached out to me, gave me well wishes, you know, I I truly appreciate that. You guys will never know how much that meant to me to know that you guys were looking out for me. Awesome, awesome. Last last little update for me is mm-hmm. look at that i got spectacles i am i i i, I doubled <laughs> by a hundred percent so uh you know i'm i'm farsighted so anything at a distance i can see just fine um but what i was found is that as i was on my mobile phone um i was sitting there having to stick my hand way out you know it, it, just to be able to read things so you know mm-hmm. I, my nearsightedness finally caught up with me so from here on out you're gonna see me wearing the spectacles uh hopefully i look good if I don't, don't yeah. tell me because I'm a little paranoid you know, about it. Uh, welcome to the Four Eye Club, man. We got All cookies. Right. 
You just can't you can right. see them now. You can I can see them now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can tell the difference between oatmeal raisin and 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 and, uh, and chocolate chip cookie. Because yeah, that's the exactly. worst feeling in the world is to pick think you're picking up a chocolate chip cookie and you bite into it and it's a raisin. Like, wait, that is the wait, worst. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Oatmeal raisins are delicious, dude. Okay. All right. All oatmeal right. I got raisin. you. So the show yeah. is now just me. Because <laughs> we don't do oatmeal raisins, man. We don't man, do oatmeal raisins. What are you raisins. talking about? A good oatmeal raisin cookie with the cinnamon in it and just a little sprinkle of sugar or whatever sweetener you use. Listen. Oh my God. Linda, oh listen, my. Linda, listen. <laughs> I like raisins fine. I like oatmeal. I like oatmeal cookies. I just don't like raisins in my oatmeal cookie. All right? You, so, you, you, you know. You, you've totally lost me, sir. Okay. You've so totally I, lost. I, I'll eat an oatmeal cookie, you know, like. It's great, but I just don't like oatmeal raisin cookies. So, I mean, I'll well, eat it if I have what? to. If I'm, if I, you know, if, if I'm at your house and you serve me oatmeal raisin cookies, I'm gonna be like, oh, this is so good. Thank you so much. And then I'll only eat one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what's gonna happen now. Every every time you come by, every time I'm gonna have some oatmeal raisin cookie. I'm gonna have the grandma's oatmeal raisin cookie. Everybody knows that's universally the treat to have. And yeah. I'm just going to have it right there. Be like, hey, Ryan, do you want this dry oatmeal cookie? And just, like, put it against the wall and go, <laughs> as it comes down. I'm like, yeah, you want some of that, don't you? You're like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'll eat it real slow. I'm, I'm going to tell you a, a, a funny story real quick. Um, uh, many years ago, uh, I was mm-hmm. out mowing my lawn. And behind my house, my neighbor um, it never he, – he, he never really talked to me. It wasn't like he was – um, he, he wasn't like he was like racist or, you know, mean or anything like that. He just kind of kept to himself. So one day I was out mowing the lawn. It was a hot day and he comes out around the corner and he's like, Hey, it's a hot day. I saw you out here mowing. I figured I'd come out here and share a beer with you. Now, this is a dude that I lived next to for like five years and he never really said anything to me. And the first thing he did was offer me a beer. Now, That's for those of you, for, for those of you who don't know me, I don't like beer. I don't like beer. <laughs> but I knew that this was his opportunity, his attempt to like share a moment with me. And so it's like, oh man, thank you so much. It is a hot day. And so I'm looking at this beer and I'm like grossed out because I don't like beer. So what, beer? I, what I, kind of beer was it? It was it was a fat tire. <laughs> Ooh, that's not bad, dude. That's actually some pretty good stuff, dude. Well, I'm, okay. I, I, I've heard people say that it is, but I don't like beer. I don't like bitter, kind of that bitter flavor, right? Yeah, so, you don't want the bitter beer face. Yeah, I get it. So so I take a sip of it, and I'm sitting there, and he's sitting there talking to me. And, uh, you know, and he, he's sitting there drinking his beer the whole time. So we finish the conversation. His beer is empty, and mine is barely down from the neck. Oh, uh... And, and, and he's like, well, you, you barely drank your beer. I'm like, he's like, cause he was gonna, he's offered to take the bottle off my hand because I was getting ready to start mowing again. And I'm like, oh, no, I haven't quite finished it yet. And he's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you to it. So I take another sip as he's walking away. And as he makes it around the corner, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, Have so you talked I, to that neighbor since? Is my well, question. you know, he and I became good friends. He eventually bought a house in another part of town and moved away. Oh, okay. But, okay. but um, it was one of those things where 
I understood the the social ramifications of my needing to overcome my distaste for something uh, mm-hmm. in order to mm-hmm. establish the friendship. So just like yeah, that, if I ever came, came to your house, um, I would absolutely force down a dry oatmeal raisin cookie. <laughs> but it might take the entire three-hour visit for me to do so. <laughs> and that's fine. Welcome to the realm of the peacemakers, okay? Here you it is. The, the art of negotiation. Ha- absolutely. Right. Uh, I, think I, I think I have that book by uh, Donald Trump up in, in, my, in my library. Oh, that was the art of the deal. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's, right. A, that. that, that's enough preamble. Um, you know, but I think the reality is in not having done a show for two weeks and there being a whole, whole lot of stuff that happened, there is only one question that we need to ask. And I think it's done best like this. So what did I miss? What did I miss? Yeah, so that's the question, is what did we miss while we were gone? And I think that's where we're going to get right into it with the Finding the Angles. Thank you so much, sir. I needed the help. (laughs) How long? All right, this is Finding the Angles. This is the uh, segment of the show where we talk about things that were headlines or are headlines or could have been headlines back in the past couple of weeks and today. So I think we should start with the big thing that happened in the UFC uh, a week ago, and that is UFC 265. This was Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gan for the interim heavyweight championship. And so this was... Uh, this was a huge card with big names. I wish that we could have picked it, although I'm in. I'm, I'm partially happy that we didn't because Angela yeah. Hill was on that card. You know I'm honor bound to choose Angela over Kill Hill, and uh, she she met her demise. I don't think it was as close as the last fight was. Um, it, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I mean we this. It was a good fight. Don't get me wrong. It was a good fight, mm-hmm. but. It, I think the thing about Angela Overkill Hill is that she, I, I tend to notice that she had she had longer hair this time, mm-hmm. and I think I, I prefer short hair Angela Hill versus long hair Angela Hill. So somehow the short hair enhances her striking and grappling capability. As a man who has hair on his head right now, and it's, I consider this too much hair, when I shave, I feel faster. I feel you know, just just totally quicker. All right. And I okay. think that could be the case here. So basically all of that hair that on, on Angela Hill's head created drag. Yes. There was friction. <laughs> friction. <laughs> you can't fight the friction. <laughs> all right. And, so and, and, but the, but all kidding aside, they gave a good performance. You know, Tisha just was there. She was there yep. that night. Okay. She was there. You know, sometimes, you know, the, your your opponent just is hitting on all cylinders. And even though you may be a better fighter, you're not a better fighter on the night that it counts. And that's what happened for Angela Hill. Tisha Torres defeated Angela Hill by unanimous decision, 30-27 on two cards, 29-28 on one card. Uh, the first fight of that night uh, was Casey Kinney versus Song Yadong. Casey Kinney, of course, uh, you know, made headlines for what he said about Megan Anderson um way back in a in a podcast a few months ago uh he lost that i believe oh, he lost that, that fight oh. and he lost again to song yadong split decision victory for song yadong 
uh, 29-28, uh, 30-27 on two of the cards. Um, Michael Chiesa got choked out. Like, what happened? Michael well, you know Chiesa. what happened? Okay, first of all, you, you, there, was, there was disrespect on, on two levels, okay? First of all, you disrespect the Vincent Luque uh, gra- uh, grappling ability. For, second of all, you disrespect yourself for thinking that you were going to go in there and just impose your will on that man, okay? That mm-hmm. you should have never, your arrogance caught you, okay? And you could tell that his arrogance caught him because you could tell his whole demeanor after that fight. It was like, dang, I cannot believe I let this happen to me. Okay, it had, and, that's, and that was all Michael Chiesa's fault. Not taking anything from Vincent, it was just Michael Chiesa's failed, failed, failed Vincent before Vincent beat Michael Chiesa. Wow. You know, and, that, and that's one thing. I, I found this really interesting quote while I was on Instagram uh, mm-hmm. this past week, and it said, confidence is thinking that you're good. Arrogance is thinking that you're better than others. Yes. And, Absolutely. And, and, and it sounds like, and you used the word arrogance, and that really stood out to me. So, you know, of course, Michael Chiesa was on his way, of course, to, you know, climbing up that ladder. This, of course, represents the detour. Um, and so we'll see what happens with his career. But now Vicente Luque, having a quality win over a fighter like Michael Chiesa, can start looking towards what does he need to do to get to that next level? Who does he need to fight to fight for the title? So I'm excited to see what Vicente Luque does next. In the co-main oh, yeah. event, Jose Aldo defeated Pedro Munoz via unanimous decision. You know, it's funny because I talk to people about Jose Aldo and everyone's like, mm-hmm. he needs to give it up. He needs to hang up the gloves. It's like, you don't understand. Jose Aldo may have decades in this sport but he ain't old no he's only like 32 people yeah. he's in his prime okay that, <laughs> that that's the crazy he's been fighting since he was 12 okay in the ufc and he just he, he just never well he hadn't been fighting since he was 12 in the ufc uh, uh yeah he could have been in jungle fight he could have been <laughs> he could have been, been real a long time yeah, yeah. And, and that's crazy, though, that, I mean, I was sitting there thinking, like, wow, Jose, you're getting kind of old and t- long in the tooth there. And then when mm-hmm. I showed the stats, I was like, wait a minute, he's only 32? I was like, oh, my God. And so, yeah, keep fighting, man. Don't don't listen to me. Yeah. Who keep, am I? Keep, keep it going. Keep it going. Because it, at the end of the day, it's it's Jose Aldo. Um, you know, I think that the, I think the problem that Jose Aldo has is not that he's old. I think that he's got to add some new wrinkles to his game because and with he, the Corey Sanhagen's out there, you got mm-hmm. the uh, you got Peter Yan, Al Jermaine Sterling. Those guys represent the new generation. And so I don't see I don't see Jose Aldo being able to run with these guys fighting the way he did when he was fighting Uriah Faber or Chad Mendez, you know, those guys. Well, I'm glad you brought that point up because what Jose Aldo did for this camp, he actually teamed up with the Marine Corps boxing program and to up his striking game like it needs to be up any further. But, you know, that's what he did. And he showed a really good master class in striking. I was I was really impressed with his boxing. He threw a couple of leg kicks out there, which we know, you know, does severe damage to anybody. But his boxing was actually pretty good. 
I was I was impressed. I was like, I, you know, yeah, he's getting at that age where yeah, he needs to learn to. He's he's old enough now, and, and, you know, to to go ahead and reinvent himself very quickly. Mm-hmm. That you know he could he could up his his ground game some more because we all know that we all know that Josie Aldo can strike. He can box. Right. He can right. he can he can throw them things pretty good. Okay, but. We've never seen him really get on the ground and do something. I'd love to see a a, a, a ground game, ho- yeah. Jose Aldo to throw everybody off. Right. Uh, if Jose, because I think Jose Aldo is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, so he's got the yes. he's got the grappling, but he needs the wrestling. So the be ability to control the fight and take it to the ground. That way, now you've got fighters who are kind of p- more pure strikers. And I'm thinking right now of someone like Peter Yan. Right, Peter Yan yeah. has combat. I think he's the combat sambo. Uh, he is a uh, sambo master of sports. He's a master of sports. So, yeah. so he's got the grappling and the wrestling as well. But it's not. It's not. Let's say the a pure wrestler like uh, like an Aljamain Sterling. We we saw that Yan was able to neutralize it, you know, mm-hmm. before the the faded knee to the head. But at the same time, it's one of those things where Jose Aldo needs the ability. To move the fight wherever he his opponent can't contend with him, and right now that's the gap I think that's in his in his game. Excellent striking, one of the best strikers in the weight class. I think when you get on the ground, which we haven't seen a whole lot of his ability to do submissions, I'm trusting that his you know his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt is 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 you know legit. Well, hold on. Hold on. We have to talk about that. Just just a couple things. Okay. First of all, Peter Yan, Sambo. Sambo is a martial arts is 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 a, is the equivalent, I guess. And and don't find me Sambo fighters, please. Uh, nah, please don't. I'm still recovering. But it's the equivalent to the Marine Corps martial arts program. Okay. okay. It's basically it's a it's an amalgamation of uh, of striking and grappling. Uh, and and just really physical uh, martial art. It's actually really nice to watch. Uh, if you ever get a chance to go to YouTube and look at a couple of sambo matches, it's it's hard. Okay, there's some there's some hard fights. Second thing, we say that Josie Aldo, Aldo has a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. He does not. He does a black. He has a black belt in luta livre, which is under Marco Huas. All right, so the difference between Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Luta Livre was actually class, mainly, okay? Because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was taught to, and, and, you know, once again, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu players, don't come rolling at me, okay? Uh, At least until I get, yeah, they'll roll up on me, literally. (laughs) And they'll, they'll, you know... (laughs) <laughs> All right, because I'm still recovering. As soon as I'm recovered, we can we can do some things. But uh, it was a class thing. The Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was taught to the upper class, whereas Luta Livre was taught to the lower class because Luta Livre is pretty much a street, a, a more street, a more combat-oriented style, a more aggressive style than Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It was taught to anybody who Luta Livre was taught to anybody who really wanted to learn. So, yeah, and it was under Marco Huas, who his nickname back in the UFC was the King of the Streets, okay? okay. Which is why they call Josie Aldo the King of Rio, because he is the, he is a, he's the heir, okay? So there Very you go. Cool. There's your history. Yes. See, and that's, that's what John Keyes brings to this show. It is that encyclopedic knowledge of MMA history that we just don't have. So thank you for that. Um, 
what which means that Jose Aldo probably then does need to add to his repertoire maybe some of those Brazilian jiu-jitsu techniques. I would um, love to see that. I would love so, to see that. So, yeah, I, I think that there's still some evolution and there's still some time for Jose Aldo to do that. And so that's the, that's what I think is going to be interesting to see whether or not he's going to choose to continue to evolve his game or if he's just going to try to play to his strengths. So the main event of the evening was Der- Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gan. Cyril Gan defeated Derek the Black Beast Lewis via TKO um, in round number three. I did see some highlights of this. And I got to say, it looked like Derek Lewis was just gassed. Tell me what happened in that fight. It it was more than that. Um, If you watch the fight, I I watched the fight. He came out there. It was like maybe he didn't. It it wasn't his night because he went in there. He I don't think he was gassed because he really didn't throw anything. It was just and on top of that, Cyril Gaon was moving like a middleweight. Okay, literally like a middleweight. He was in, out. He was on his toes. He was light on his feet. He was throwing kicks, punches, elbows, you know, uh, 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 lead pipes, kitchen sinks. I mean, he was throwing it all. And to, to Derek Lewis, he was taking it. But in the third round, it was just like Cyril's like, you know what? We can finish him now. And he went in there and he did it. So if you look at the, the strike numbers, strike numbers were completely off. Okay. Oh, wow. It was like Cyril gone was, I think – they they got zero gone at like a hundred and something, and Derek Lewis was like at sixteen, thirteen or sixteen strikes. Wow, you know, and and but the 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 here's the most important part, the significant strikes. Well, you know, it was like maybe seventy five, eighty percent for zero gone. It was one hundred percent for Derek Lewis. That means every strike that he threw was significant. It threw it did something to zero gone. And and that's the whole point. I mean, Cyril Gaon is next generation. He is the guy that if John Jones, he's well, no, not even mentioning John Jones, but he is Cyril Gaon is the guy that's going to evolve the heavyweight division. I agree with you. I agree and, with and you. Derek, and Derek Lewis, I mean, you know, it was a, it was heartbreaking. Okay, it was really heartbreaking, and he, he it was just like as if we watched Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis fight again. Except this time, you know, it was Cyril Gaon, and Cyril Gaon was here here to win. Right. And Derek Lewis, he needs to he needs to he needs to go to rest. He needs to call up DC and say, "Hey, can I can I spend two months with you? Can I spend two three months with you?" Yeah. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's that evolution. And and I was talking to someone, and I said, "Listen, wrestling is the base. Wrestling mm-hmm. is the base. And so if you don't have a strong wrestling game, it doesn't mean that you can't be." a champion you know everybody has has a shot to win every fight but Mm -hmm. consistently as you as you come across a wide variety of different styles and different fighters having a wrestling base is critical in being able to control where the fight goes if you can't control the fighter that you're facing then they're going to be able to do whatever they can. I was reading some of the uh, some of the highlights and some of the the play-by-plays and it basically sounded like Anytime Derek Lewis was really looking to to establish his will, Cyril Gaon just bailed. Yeah, and was gone. He, he 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 floated away. He literally floated. That's the whole point. He was and he did, it wasn't like he was running. It was just like he he had head movement and he just swoop and he slipped away. And it was just like wow. He move. He is literally moving faster than any heavyweight I've seen. 
Okay, so I mean, and you're right about wrestling being a base because as I'm, I'm troll as you're talking to me, and I'm going back into my Rolodex of fighters. I can only think of three fighters that were that were jujitsu only, that really controlled the the situation. That was really champions. That was uh, Nick Diaz back in his WEC days. Mm-hmm. That was uh, Hoist Gracie. Mm-hmm. And then there was Marco Huas, who was the heavyweight tournament champ- champion. Right. Okay. I can't. You can't use Ken Shamrock because shoe fighting uses elements of wrestling in there. Um, you can't use uh, George Saint Pierre because guess what? George Saint Pierre also had was trained with the Canadian wrestling team. We can't say um, Fabricio. Uh, uh, Fabricio. Uh, no, I thought Fabricio also did some wrestling too. Uh, I, we'll, he we'll may have, now. but he, he was he was most no, notable for his Brazilian jiu-jitsu skills. That's right. And then there was Lyoto uh, Machida because he, he he only used Brazilian jiu-jitsu and karate. Mm-hmm. So there it is. That those are your those are your mainly dominant champions. Everybody else has been a champion has had wrestling as a base at some level. Right. Absolutely. So now as we start moving away from UFC 265. Cyril Ghosn wants to fight Francis Ngannou in France by the end of 2021. I'd love to see them do that. I just, this is the thing I was joking about before UFC 265 in the fact that now you've got a fighter who's from France and a fighter who's from Cameroon, which was a French colony. Uh Uh-huh. Both of these guys speak French. So the, the lead up to this fight is either going to be two guys attempting to speak English you know, as a second language or everything is going to be in French and we're going to be like, what, wait, what did he say? Huh? What? Oh man. This, <laughs> I hope, I hope the UFC paid well for those subtitles. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. I love this. I love this. And Dana, and you know what? Uh, uh, I'll say this about Dana. You're full of poop. Okay. Because you sat there at the, at the press conference. Because, you know, Ryan Smith says, Watch the post-pref conferences. And he is absolutely right. So at the post-press conference, Dana sat there like, I didn't know what was that this would end up like this. I could not have called it any better. Vince McMahon couldn't have called it any better. You're full of crap, okay? Because even (laughs) I saw what you were doing Right. Way before you didn't, because Derek Lewis was in line to fight Francis Ngannou, and then all of a sudden Cyril Gan was like, "Oh well, uh, why don't we, you know, push Cyril Gan in there and let's get a storyline going?" Because when we, when one needs to only do a minor background check to find a picture where Cyril Gan and Francis Ngannou are in the same gym taking the same photo, and there's video, of course, of them being a sp- being sparring partners. Right. Okay. So we know what you did, Dana. So you could you could drop the you can, while you're on vacation. I know somebody's gonna come to you and say, "Oh, those guys at Combat Sports Talk were talking crazy," and you're gonna listen to us. And then you're not gonna be mad. You're gonna be like, "Well, we can't. We're not gonna say nothing about." Yeah, I'm not gonna so. say nothing. You know, you know, <laughs> it, Dana White. You know, how, you know how Dana White does this little thing where he's like, <laughs> <laughs> that, "That's what he's gonna uh, yeah. do." That's what he's gonna do. He's gonna be like, yeah, 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 I did, yeah, yeah. You know, he he did it. He he absolutely did it. Derek Lewis, as much as he's loved by the fans, as much as people love Derek Lewis, the fact is is that Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou was wrought with risk because yeah. we saw that fight before. Neither one of them wanted to pull the trigger, and the fact is is that it there was risk that it was going to be that again. 
Now with Francis Ngannou gone, Cyril gone, now having been uh, crowned the interim championship, now you've got champion versus champion, which is which is always you know a, a bonus to the number of people who want to watch. It's a heavyweight fight between two former training partners who relatively have some beef with each other. I was watching, yes. I was reading something. It was saying that. Cyril Ghani, uh, Cyril Ghan and and Francis Ngannou actually have a bit of beef between each other, and the fact that they they can speak to each other in their native languages, like this is the other of... thing. So I okay. suspect that we could potentially see a press conference that goes off in French, and then when we read the transcripts, it's going to be like, oh dang, I didn't realize insults dropped that way. Oh yeah, because hey, it, well, it's, it, what 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 was the line in the Matrix? Uh, like you know, cussing somebody and and f- cussing somebody out in French is like wiping your butt with silk. All right, so I expect to see a lot of that. Okay, wow. you know, I had not heard that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it, it, it wasn't put that nicely, but yeah, you know. W- w- one one other thing that I want to say as we wrap this or as we wrap this up is. Um, I did get to see the finish uh, of Francis of, of uh, Derek Lewis by Cyril Gaon and the French ringside uh, commentators. They were it, losing it. They lost their minds because, of course, remember famously in the pre-fight press conference, one of the journalists from France got up and said, you know, France, uh, Derek Lewis, how does it feel to get beaten by a Frenchman in your own hometown? And Derek Lewis famously responded, pardon my French, but F you and F him, you know, that kind of thing. So when Cyril Gunn won the fight, uh, these guys are sitting on, on, on the sidelines and, and they're, they're talking back and forth and they're like, you know, they're going back and forth. And then, then, you know, Derek Lewis goes to the ground. He, he turtles up. Uh, Cyril Gaon starts beating on him, you know, to finish the fight, and the, you know their level of energy goes up. To and then they call off the fight, and then you hear one of the guys go, "Houston, we have a problem." Houston, we have a problem. Oh, that's gonna be. We need to bring that. We need to get that sound bite, dude. We need that, to get that sound bite. So when everything goes out, you know, we hit that. Okay. <laughs> that guy, you know that guy had been waiting his entire life to say that line. Like he oh, that yeah. by the time he was going through customs to come to Texas, he was ready to be like I'm a practice. I'm going to practice my Houston. We have a problem. He's probably sitting in the mirror every day calling his wife, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> so I was like, that's Oh man. But you know what? Hey, I got to give it to him, man. He, he hey, look. hey, hey, look, they, let's give it up to France for a little bit, man. They have some monster fighters over there, okay? You know, uh, uh, give it a, and, you know, say what you will about France. I, I, you know, when it comes to their kickboxing, their right. kickboxing style, when it comes to boxing, right. they got it. it it's, it's brutal. Look at a, a Savatour and, mm-hmm. and, and watch him, you know, watch him just go at it on a, some pads and you'll be amazed by the footwork. We have that potential in Cyril Gaon, even though I think he, Cyril Gaon does more. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to say he does Dutch kickboxing. 
uh, which is more fist oriented than foot. But I mean, you'll see it. Okay. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'm going to have to go back and do some reviews and look at, at look at a Sa- uh, Salvatore go on the pads and look at, uh, at, Cyril Gon go on the pads and really compare. But, I mean, hats off to France. Um, you got this one, okay? You guys have got the two the two monsters fighters as an Afro samurai. The number one's now got to fight the number two. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see what happens. It's going to be Viva La France all over again. It's going to be painful. I'm waiting. I'm here for it, okay? I'm here for it. All right, all right. Well, that wraps up our coverage of UFC 250, uh, 265. And let's talk a little bit about something that came out of BKFC. You know, I oh, always you're gonna talk about BKFC, huh? Okay. I, you know, I, I, we're going to spend a little time on BKFC uh, bare knuckle fighting championships. Of course, you know, I, I relished the outcome between Rachel Ostovich and Paige Van Zandt. Uh, mm-hmm. Me and Britton Hart probably were the two happiest people on the planet. Um, to see Paige Van Zant fall uh, 0-2 in BKFC after coming off of a you know fairly promising UFC career, uh, mm-hmm. what I didn't know, and what came out you know a week later after that 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 result was the fact that Paige Van Zant basically plummeted into a very dark place, losing that fight to Rachel Ostovich, and that's unfortunate. I mean, we don't. You know, we celebrate when our fighters, the fighters that we pick, win their fights. But at the end of the day, these are humans. These are people, and they care about, you know, their craft. Losing in these sports could mean that you might not get to do that again. And and, yeah. and, and the impact that that has on a person's psyche and confidence to go back in the ring and try again after having felt that defeat is not something that we really should take lightly. And so, you know, I, I thought it was an interesting thing when the quote that they have is that Paige Van Zant said after she lost, she walked out of the ring and she didn't just walk to the locker room. She went outside into like the parking lot and cried and she went into a dark place saying that she didn't want to live. Mm. And she's talking you know? to her husband. Like, like yeah. I, 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 she didn't want to live. And so, you know, I, I, I don't want to see Paige Van Zant you know, experience that level of darkness. I just, you know, I, I, I just wanted to see her lose. That's it. Well, Not you know, and that, yeah, and, and that's the thing about gladiators. We only see one side of them. We rarely right. ever, we, 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 we rarely ever see the human side of, gra- right. of gladiators. And, you know, we relish them when they win and we'll praise their praises, but we'll scorn them if they lose. Mm-hmm. And, we forget we forget sometimes that you know and even i forget i'm and i'll say it that you know as a fighter you know this is your job okay right. this is this is what you do you love to do it this is what you train yourself to do but that's what we do all the time with any human being if they have a job that they train to do this this is what they love this is you know cuz you know if we love our job it's the most it's, it's important to us it's our passion and everything like that well what happens when we fail at our passions we will we will sink into a dark place mm-hmm. sometimes we can bounce back quickly and be like you know what that happened i'm gonna get back up and do it again and i'm gonna do better and then sometimes in this case you know you worry you know am i have i lost it you know am am i not as good enough as i as i used to be and that that that's real. You know, I've been there. 
you know, I love my job. I love being in IT. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love it. And like uh, an old person once told me, if you love what you're doing, you never work a day in your life. I haven't worked a day in my life in years, okay, to be quite honest. All right, because I just love what I do. I love learning. But I've had times where I failed. I've had times where, you know, I messed up on a project and it gets human real quick. You're like, oh, my, and I feel it. So I, my hat's off to her for being able to open up with these feelings. Just remember that you got 24 hours to grieve about it. And then the next day, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go. Because, you know, let's be real. There's nobody that's coming to save you. You got to right. get up and you got to do it yourself. Right, and you got to be the hero. I, I think that I think that what is also very damaging to this and and to a person's psyche is the fact that mm-hmm. her husband is Austin Vanderford. Now, for those of you who don't know Austin Vanderford, Austin Vanderford was a person that was basically a person that we thought was going to just go into the UFC. He had a great run on Dana White's Tuesday Contender Series. He got a finish, and we thought that he that that the UFC was just going to snatch him up, and they didn't. And so Austin has since gone to Bellator, and he's been fighting. And since his time of joining Bellator, this guy is undefeated. He is he is he is um, he is now slated to be the next person to fight Gegard Mousasi for Oof. the. Uh, for the what is it middleweight middleweight championship so um so you have someone who was a star in page page van zandt who we thought was going to be the next great 115 pounder who then started to meet her demise and then found new life and new uh, a new crowd by going to uh dancing with the stars and you know, starting a whole career as an influencer on social media. She came back, went up to 125. We thought maybe she was going to be able to uh, to uh, challenge for that title against uh, Valentina Shevchenko. She gets beaten there. She gets cut, or she doesn't. She doesn't renew her uh, her uh, contract with the UFC. Goes to BKFC, loses twice, and so what you've got is one career going up. And the other career coming down. And I think that that also plays into the psyche of not that she's not happy for her husband and his success and how he's kind of skyrocketed to this position now to become a champion. But I think that it's also that where it's hard to be happy for someone in the same career path as your career is going down and someone and your and your spouse or your significant others career is going up there there that also plays into the psyche it does and this and there's something that really needs to be said about about the ufc on this and it's nothing against the ufc they built their monster okay Mm -hmm. they built their monster they pulled champions from other organizations say come here and fight with us therefore when you go to the ufc you're not just fighting an average fighter. You're fighting a guy that was a former champion. So, yeah, you're going to lose. All right? I think, in my opinion, that if Paige Vincent had stayed and 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 or went to a, another um, another fighting organization, maybe Bellator, maybe One, or even, you know, Invicta, you know, and, and she stayed there, 
she would be much happier because not everybody is built for the UFC. Let's put it, let's put it out there. Uh, let's, I mean, we've seen fighters that were average fighters in the UFC, but when you go to, when they go to another uh, organization, like for instance, we've seen many fighters go from the UFC to Bellator, they become phenomenal fighters like we knew they were. So I think this becomes a point where you, where they, they separate the wheat from the chaff in the UFC. In other words, they separate the very best from the not so very best. And <laughs> so then those they separate so the very best. best from the really good. Yeah, okay, we'll go with that. Well, yes, exactly. And I think, in my opinion, that a lot of fighters need to be really honest with themselves and think can they, can, can they truly survive in the UFC? And it's not a shame, it's not, it's, and People need to understand that it's not shameful to say no, that 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 I won't have as much opportunity in the UFC as I would say a Bellator or a One FC or an Invicta or anywhere else, uh, any of the ma- other major yeah. organizations. Or, we see, you know, we see that in other sports, right? So when you start thinking about college football, the UFC of college football is Alabama. Yeah. Not Alabama enough. has has the the greatest talent, and they've got so many five star and four star recruits on their team that you could be a four star recruit at your position, have two five stars ahead of you, and you don't ever see the field until second half of your senior year. Yeah, and so then the question becomes: Well, should I go to Alabama and be a, a second or third stream five star recruit or four star recruit, or do I become a star on? You know, uh, on a team like I don't know, like maybe. Um, sure. Let's take TCU. Let's take T- TCU. Well, Let's take Purdue. Let's take Baylor. Let's take Baylor. Yeah, yeah, Baylor. Or, there we go. Or, 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 you know, <laughs> or you know, you go to Notre Dame. Any of the other schools where you can stand out? Because you don't. It's one thing you don't want to be. Okay, so let's let's talk about me for a second, because I, I, I think I can I can best analogize this. Cause, okay, little known fact about me: I used to be a bass. I, I used to sing bass in a in, in a course in high school course. Uh, the the school that I was at, uh, Thomas Jefferson in in Dallas, Texas, at the time, um, they were considered one of the best musical choruses in the world, not the United States, but the world. That means that they were competing with the very best. The only thing that was beating them, that was beating us consistently, was like Catholic church choirs in 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 England. Okay, in the United in the United Kingdom, that was really the only thing that was beating this course. We retired championships. We we retired we retired awards because we they that that course was winning so well. So and, and myself. I was a decent base in that course, but I never stood out. Okay, we had a few standout people that eventually went on to opera. So I transferred from there and I went to Kentucky. All right, and I and I finished my high school in Kentucky, where there I became an extraordinary base in 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 in, in scholastic competition, and I was nationally ranked. And I ended up getting a lot of scholarships for, you know, awarded to me due to the fact that I was just, it, it, that I stood out at a school that was decent, but because when I got there, we got elevated really high. 
and that seems to be the case with most UFC fighters, is that, yeah, you may be the very best here, but when you go amongst the field of the very, very best, you're just average. Get out if you if you really want to stand out, if you really want to be a star, you don't necessarily have to be on that playing field. You can go to somewhere else. Look at Mr. Wonderful, Phil Davis. Look at uh, Rory McDonald. Look at uh, Greg Armasasi. He went to the UFC and he his career was okay, even though everything Bellator, before yeah. that. Yeah, before that, he was like a monster and a half. He was he's he's the protege to Fedora Emelanco. Okay, the last yeah. ever. He's his direct protege, right. and you see what he's doing elsewhere. So that's yeah. that's what needs to happen, you know. Ryan Bader. Ryan, yeah, Ryan Bader, Bader is an, Ryan Bader is another one. You all, but you also have uh, Brandon Vera. Brandon Vera was yeah. the champion of one heavyweight champion of one FC for the longest time. This dude yes. was was run over in the UFC, and so yes. it, it, I think that this is this is the case is the fact that I completely agree. And so as you have someone like Paige Van Zant. She decided to go from a sport where her game was primarily controlling someone, grappling them, and then beating them up on the cage to something where it's just this. Mm-hmm. And, and so I agree with you that. is that <laughs> she probably would have done better by either staying in the UFC and she could have been kind of a gatekeeper. You know, um, she could have gone to Bellator because Bellator at the time really doesn't have that strong of a female field. You, she could yeah. have gone to one FC or Invicta. And imagine if she would have been the Invicta champion. And this is now we're talking what four years now that that Paige has been gone. I think she's been gone maybe three years, something like that, uh, pre pandemic. Um, yeah, yeah. Her last fight was in uh, was July twelfth, twenty twenty. And 2020? she lost to Amanda. Yeah, she lost. To, she lost to Amanda Rebus. So Hebus. so Hebus. Uh So her Hebus. last fight was only a year ago. So you know I. I think that had she tried to make that crossover into to, to Invicta, she could have easily been Invicta champion. Um, well, one thing, uh, she was Invicta, actually. She was in Invicta before, uh, like, a couple, like, one fight, she was in Invicta, and guess who she lost to? Who? Tisha Torres. No way. <laughs> yeah, way. Okay, uh, well, fight. maybe not. So, Maybe okay, not. so my my thing was she probably she probably could have renegotiated herself back into Invicta. Mm-hmm. I think they would have they would have took her with open arms. She could have did. I mean, you know, let's look. She could have went to one uh, FC where they have a huge women's division and mm-hmm. just went in there and and really got got in it. Because I mean, look at look at Mighty Mouse. He's been challenged in one yep. FC, and I think that's what he wanted. So right. and, and and he is and he's widely considered and, and you consider him the greatest martial artist mm-hmm. i consider him arguably the absolute greatest martial artist you yeah. know and he's being challenged and that's what uh, uh, that's what he wanted he wanted to yep. be challenged because everybody you know unfortunately you know was the fault of ufc or not that he wasn't ha- he wasn't really presented with a proper challenge he went there and got properly challenged that maybe that's what Paige van zandt needs she needs to get back in the gym reevaluate you know Pull up her bootstraps, all right. Get her wrestling boots back on. Get back in the M- MMA. Go to Invicta. You know, plead her case to Invicta. Plead her case to One FC. She'll be there, and she and I guarantee she'll shine. So, so here, this message is for you, uh, Paige. Like, you can do this. Don't, you know, don't get it twisted. You know, while we enjoy seeing you compete, we want to see you 
compete in a place where you can be successful. You know, yes. and then we can start hating on you again. But we can't have fun hating on you. We can't hate on you if you're if you're taking this personally. We we can't hate on you if you're in a dark place. So you know, get back. Let's go, Paige, because I want to hate on you some more, and I got to reach out and show some empathy and some sympathy and some compassion to you. And I don't feel good doing it. So this ain't about you anymore, Paige. It's about me. I need you to go and be amazing again so I can talk crap. Please. Please, for me. Do it for me. And the the message being portrayed by Ryan Smith is not oh, yeah. agreeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There we go. There we go. What you just heard is solely the opinion of the speaker and does not reflect the opinions of anyone else on the Combat Sports Talk podcast or anyone affiliated with this program. There, there you go. All right. That, that is so solely my opinion. Yes. Paige. Okay. You had, you, you had a downer. Okay. You can grieve for, I'll let the, you can grieve for a week. Okay. You've been grieving for a week right now, but you got to be the hero. Nobody's coming to save you. You got to pull yourself up, pick yourself up, get back at it. All right. You've grieved enough. Be strong. Don't be strong. If you can't be strong for yourself, be strong for the fans that, that, that believe in you. All right. We got your back. Go out there and destroy something. There we go. All right. We're going to, you would think that we would not talk about BKFC anymore, but wait, there's more Chad Mendez. We've been watching this dude do training videos Chad Money Mendez, we've been watching him practicing, we've been watching him boxing, thinking that perhaps he might be going into the boxing uh, ring chasing the Logan Paul and the, you know, the Jake Paul money. Uh, But no, in actuality, he was preparing for BKFC. And guess what? The UFC allowed him to go. Now, what he was saying is that the, typically, because he retired from the UFC with fights still on his contract, the UFC would not usually allow a fighter. And we saw this with George St. Pierre wanting to fight uh, in a boxing match. Because UFC still has his contract and he still has fights on his card, I mean, fights on his contract, they, they, they declined letting him fight for Triller. Not so for Chad Money Mendez. And so the UFC has allowed him the ability to fight. He said that he thought that uh, the UFC would say, you're not going anywhere. You're, if you're not fighting here, you're not fighting. And um, he said that he's always had a great relationship with the UFC. And I don't know if you want to call it Dana White privilege or not, but Chad Mendez is free and clear to fight a crossover fight over for BKFC. Okay, here comes unpopular opinion time. Um, the UFC doesn't respect BKFC. They, that tells me that they respect Triller more than they, re- they respect BKFC, and that's going to be a big mistake. Because I think for the fact that Triller has been sitting there saying that that their fighters make more money than UFC's fighters in the top five combined, mm-hmm. I think because they said that that they that had Chad Money sat there and said I'm going over to, to Triller and fight, they would have said no. But because he said I'm going to BKFC, oh yeah, go on over there and make that little chump change. We'll see you in a little bit. Well, speaking of Chad Mendez, do you know where the risk of him actually getting to compete was coming from? Where? His wife. Oh? His wife did not want him to fight. 
And so basically, after having had his career in the UFC, struggled with, you know, with some pretty devastating losses to uh, to uh, Jose Aldo and to Conor McGregor, although it was only a two week, uh, two week, a, a two week training camp. Um, Chad Mendes had to convince his wife that MMA is more dangerous than bare knuckle fighting. Interesting. Very interesting. See, uh, you know, I don't think so. I don't think so. And, you know, we've had this conversation on uh, which do we think is, is more dangerous, boxing or MMA. I will still say boxing is way more dangerous than MMA just because we have so many different ways. Uh, well, MMA has so many different ways to end the fight. Boxing, mm-hmm. not so much. So, so it's interesting so, that yeah, his I, wife sat there and said that. Well, so what basically what he said was he says it's still def- it was definitely something that took a little persuading. He said she's still not 100 percent in on it, but she's supportive of anything I want to do. Um, she said, honestly, I think that MMA is more dangerous. You got people throwing head kicks, whizzing past your head and connecting and it slides out. You got big knees, elbows, people running submissions and tearing lig- tendons and ligaments. That is true. That is true. That's the the true. acute damage that you can take from MMA is greater than that of boxing or bare knuckle FC. 100%. He's correct in that. However, when a fighter goes down and a fighter cannot intelligently defend himself, then the fight is stopped. And that's where the danger of boxing and in many cases BKFC comes in because it's the chronic consistent head trauma that takes place so it's all of those cuts and scratches um that you get like you see everybody's face in when they come out of a bkfc fight looks like they looks like they got hit by a car um yeah you 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 get a person who knocks that who gets knocked down they have an eight count to get back up and if they get back up and they continue fighting more of that head trauma is happening so yep. So I, I, I don't I, I think that you really can't say that one is more dangerous than the other. I think the danger level, the risk level of MMA and boxing are marginally different. They're they're they're, they're right around each other. It's the nature of the risk. It's the nature of the damage that is that that is different. And, and that and, and that becomes that becomes something where it's like pick your poison. Well, okay. So here's uh, in my in my grand scheme of things, when it comes to boxing, bare knuckle boxing, and MMA, bare knuckle boxing sits higher than MMA, but it's not, but not, but it's below boxing for the simple fact that in bare knuckle boxing, you do run the risk of breaking your knuckles. Okay, I'm breaking your fit. So you got to be really technical and really, you know, really understand the 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 anatomy of a punch to do it effectively. Otherwise, you're yeah. going to end up breaking your fist or break, breaking your knuckles, and then you're going to have to rely on slap boxing at that point. That is Stockton. why I say... 209, baby. <laughs> the Cotham slap. All right, so, I mean, that's, the, but that's, you know, that's what you have to end up relying on. That's why I say that boxing is still the most dangerous sport out there. They protect your fists. They protect your gloves. And, they, and you still can do exactly what you do in bare knuckle without the risk of breaking your fists. The breaking of the fists is a stopgap measure. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
That's why I believe, that's why I truly wish that we did go back to bare knuckle mixed martial arts because then we have an understanding that, you know, you're not going to be throwing fists all the time. You're really going to engage in your martial arts. You're really going to engage in all the techniques that you've learned to become a better fighter. Well, that's we're going to we're going to see how that works out because don't forget Jorge Masvidal um, game bread fighting championships is bare knuckle mixed martial arts. So we're going to yes, see it. it. We're going to we're going to see, gonna see how that works out. Um, but we're not through with bare knuckle FC because guess what? They have another oh. fighter who's just recently signed uh-huh. and that is or who's working on getting signed. Um, and we expect to see him, you know, uh, come into the uh, in, into the cage at bare knuckle FC very soon. And that is the nightmare. Diego Sanchez. Amen. Amen. I'm not happy and, about that. Uh, you know what? I'm not happy about it, but there's better. I can think of worse ways of going off on your shield. I think that they'll sign him for like a three fight deal and head him off to the sunset. I think this I, is probably the best thing. For I got to ask the question of, is it suicide for a fighter to chase the experience of going out on his shield? Like, yes. think about it. This op, he's not really chasing a belt. He's not chasing any kind of championship or anything like that. He's not chasing legacy at this point. He is basically chasing a fight to the finish where he fully expects going in to be incapacitated and carried uh, out on his shield. And uh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm not saying he expects to lose. I'm saying that he understands that that is on the table, that the type of fight, the style of fight that he wants to have is one that could end in a brutal loss for him, even as he is experiencing and demonstrating the early onset of of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE. Congratulations on saying the the, the full term there of CTE. I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have attempted that one, but um, I don't think I think he is kind of chasing his legacy. He still wants to be known as a fighter that goes out on his shield, win a loss. So I, I like I said, I could think of worse ways of doing. It. If this was a, just a pure boxing match, I would be more um, I'd be more concerned. But be but because, like I said, for the reasons why that bare knuckle is slightly below boxing when it comes to brutality it's a it's the same reason why i think this will probably be better for him because he can only throw fists he can't throw elbows he can't he can't grapple he's a known wrestler all right Mm -hmm. so that means he takes away the ability to do a shoot that's good all right that's they're not going to shoot in bkfc i mean it is just striking and so it's it's literally going to be rock'em sock'em to a guy who's already who, who still holds the record for the most shots to the dome in the ufc like that justin gaethje had that no i don't think justin gaethje has it at all (laughs) it's uh, justin gaethje may have had the most no it's not even the most shots to the dome in a fight because that should be uh, calvin cater right um Uh, that's right it it it, uh over his long career in the ufc diego sanchez has taken the most significant strikes in the ufc and so coming into a bare knuckle situation Rock'em Sock'em, it's probably not the strategy you should go to for brain health. And so that's the only thing. You know, he's going to do what he's going to do. We, you know, the mantra of this show is respect the, the, the man in the arena. 
But at the end of the day, I, I, I care about what happens long term. And I, and I don't think that going into and, 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 and being a bare knuckle FC fighter, that they are really concerned about his long term health um, as much as they may say that he they are. Yeah, and uh, you know we have to take that for their word, okay? If they say they're gonna they're gonna look at everything and make sure that he's okay, I'm gonna take them at their word because they know that if something bad happens to to Diego, it would be a bad mark on them. Or it'll be a bad mark on already a gray sheet for them, okay? So I think they really are looking at him and they're co- they're going through everything with them with a fine fine tooth comb because they have something to lose here. They have credibility to lose here. They have some credibility to gain, but not but not nearly as much as they have to lose if something bad happens to Diego. Well, you know, and and I, I think when you start talking about credibility in Diego, you got to bring up Josh Fabia. And so one of the things that was a uh, headline this week was Diego Sanchez reveals Josh Fabia's plan to try to get money from the UFC. Uh, it was it was, you know, captioned mental manipulation. And mm. basically what happened and, we, you know, we, we covered this on the show at length. But Josh Fabia had convinced Diego Sanchez to make him Diego's uh, power of attorney and to have make decisions based upon Diego Sanchez's uh, finances and his uh, other affairs. And so what ended up happening, and, and I think that it was playing out as Diego Sanchez has suggested, is that what, Die- what Josh Fabia was attempting to do was in requesting all 15 years of medical records with, uh, uh, from the UFC was attempting to build a case against the UFC that somehow the UFC knew of a CTE problem with Diego Sanchez and allowed him to continue fighting, worsening this this issue with him and thus jockeying for a large settlement. Because Diego Sanchez said that if he had won a settlement, Fabia knew that Diego Sanchez would have split it with him 50-50. Hmm. Wow. So I so it's it's you know there's not much else to say for me on this except for the fact that it does seem like that was the the master plan that that uh, Josh Fabia had in all of the bizarre behavior that he uh, that he and the UFC uh, had between each other. Well, all I can say to that is I'm, I'm glad Dana is is has. Um, I don't know, we reignited or just reestablished the relationship between himself and Diego. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the that in the in the grand scheme of it, yeah, Josh Fabia, I mean, how many times have we seen this? You know, right. through not just in fighting, but in all public careers, you know, be it in the music industry, be it an actor industry, you know, we've seen this we've seen this type of of, of parasites. So I'm just glad that, you know, that Diego's out from the other side. And him and him and Dana have some sort of friendship back. Okay. Yep. All right. Let's let let let's let's kind of do uh, rapid fire. Uh, we're 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 gonna hit we're gonna hit some some high notes. One of the things that we uh, that we missed while we were gone uh, was talking about the Olympics. A lot of things went down. Of course, we have some uh, you know an Olympic gold medalist in Gable Stevenson, uh, and he's potentially looking at going to the to MMA, making that transition. So we've got another potential Olympic gold medalist going to MMA, um, and he is a potential. And I know what you're going to say: 
it's not just MMA that, that he has an option for. Um, That's right. Um, but at the same time, there is a free agent out there that we could potentially see wrecking shop either in MMA or you flip it upside down and you get WWE. So let's talk about uh, well. There's two. This is what third one that I can think of. Well, fourth one I can think of that that tried it. Uh, there was Kim Patera that went wrestling uh, because MMA wasn't around back then in the mm-hmm. in the late seventies, early eighties. There was Kurt Angle, who we were this close to getting into MMA, which I thought he would have been much better in MMA. That, but you know, he had fun in, in WWE, so I ain't really mad at him. Um, Rulon Gardner, who who was doing, who tried MMA, and he won his first match, but that was it. And then um, now we got now that got this kid, and he was good. I mean, he he pulled he pulled it, you know, out of the out of the onesie when at the last moment with that. So I'm I'm, I'm happy for I I'll be happy to see him in either place. Be quiet. Um, if you go. If he goes WWE, I'd love to see Kurt Angle, you know, take him under the wing and, and show him the ankle lock, you know, the angle lock. Yeah, I, I, I think that Daniel Cormier had a great idea because, of course, Daniel Cormier is also an Olympic wrestler, didn't have mm-hmm. the success that Gable Stevenson did. Oh, by the way, you've missed an Olympic wrestler. Who did I miss? Oh, Daniel Cormier, because he, he was an alternate. Mm-hmm. He was an alternate you, both times. You, you missed who, an who Olympic wrestler. Who did I miss? Who did I miss? Triple C. Henry Cejudo. You're, you're, I know who Triple C is. You know what? Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo I am so ter- I, I'm so terribly sorry. I did miss you. You are an Olympic champion, sir. Okay. And I do apologize. I got I got an aside for you. Okay. You as you as for the audience, as you can see, um, George Stallworth is not here. George Stallworth yes. is in California right now doing a week of amazing. Uh, coaching camps coaching seminars training i was texting with him today uh seeing if he could either be on the show or get people to listen to the show and he said that they are in constant training that he wasn't going to be able to get get it done until after lunchtime which is noon um um, or one o'clock um in california here's the thing he posted like nine videos of a training seminar with none other than triple c henry cejudo Dude met Henry Cejudo this week. George, <laughs> you didn't get so, at least a shout out from Henry Cejudo on the show. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna put you in an ankle lock for real. Hey man, hey, trust me, you might get more than the shout out. He may show up on you. Okay. Remember as much this, crap right? as I talked yeah, about Henry right. Cejudo, and as big a fan as I am for Demetrius Johnson, I, I would not be surprised if Henry Cejudo knocked on my door and 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 George Stallworth has got a little smile on his face, like what. <laughs> <laughs> oh by the way <laughs> so so shout out to george yeah. stallworth you know do your thing we, we, we'll ha- hopefully he'll be able to join us next week on, on next week's show but th- that was one one um you know one olympic champion who saw a tremendous amount of success here in the ufc winning two belts um winning one belt and was given a belt in in um you know in the flyweight division um and so Listen, I am ride or die for Demetrius Johnson. He did not lose that fight. I would love to sit down and watch that fight with Henry Cejudo. We could talk. We we could watch that fight together. And be like, where? Uh, where did you do it? <laughs> yeah, where where ass? did you win this fight? Show me where you won this fight. Um, uh, you know, the, we're going to hit these real quick. Chris Weidman, 
recovering from a second surgery. So his, you know, he was trying to get back into the ring. Of course, he had the Anderson Silva ankle break uh, against Uriah Hall. He thought he was going to be back within the year. That is not so. His leg was not healing properly. So they had to go back under the knife, reset it, and he's basically starting uh, the recovery process over again. And so um, he said the surgery went well. Um, he feels really good about the surgery, even um, as he's crushing himself to the be- the bedroom. It's such a better experience than from the last surgery. So um, so maybe they got it right this time. But we know even from Dimitri uh, from Dominic Cruz when he remember he blew his an- his knee. They 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 did the surgery on it, and then they found out that it needed to be redone. Adding that extra time not only affects a person's ability to return back as this dynamic sport moves and continues on, but the psyche of a person as to whether or not their body is going to fail them again um, is also something that continues to come into play. And I would say worsened if they have obstacles in the healing process. Yeah, um, I'm glad that, you know, that he is on the on the mend. However, I think this is, you know, I think this might be his uh, his mechanism to motivate him to healing better, because mm-hmm. if we if on paper, he wants to come back. But in reality, I don't think he should. You don't you don't come back to mixed martial arts after an, after an injury like that. I just don't see, yeah. I, you know, we saw with Anderson Silva that it just didn't he, he just couldn't perform the way that we knew he could after that you know the the fight with nick diaz didn't go well uh, although i think he won that fight um it wasn't a pretty fight both it was ruled a no no contest because of both were popped for for drugs and then you know his fight against uriah hall was just devastating um but but anderson silva is back but this time in a boxing ring and not against julio cesar chavez jr but team punishment Tito, the Huntington Beach bad boy, Ortiz, they're going to be fighting on um, they're going to be fighting on the uh, Triller the on yeah. the September 11th. So uh, this is going to be interesting. I, I, I don't know that I care about this fight um, because this, this is not a fight perhaps I want to see uh, between two guys in their mid 40s fighting in a sport that neither one of them made made their name in. Okay, so I'm not. I, I I would say don't be interested in this phone, in this sport. However, be interested in the trash talk that Tito Ortiz does because he's he's pretty good on the mic when it comes to trash talk. Mm-hmm. Um, one need only look at his past and at the trash talk he was doing. Yeah. Um, secondly, um, Tito's angry. All right. Because he was the he was the mayor of Huntington Beach for no, only six months. No, the mayor. He wasn't the oh, mayor. The mayor he was on the city council. He was on the city no, council. No, he was the mayor pro tem, bro. Look him yeah, up. But Look but he's a, he's a city council member. Mayor pro tem is 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 like a like like a functionary title. He was just a city councilman. Okay, so city councilman, he resigned after six months. He's not in the best. He's not in the best of of, of happy moods. So I think he's going to take it out in the ring. We'll see. Something tell, something tell me. So I'm, I, I'm not mad at that. I'm, hey man, do what you gotta do. I, I, you know, two old, old people fighting. You know, this is what I'm about in the masters division. He was a champion. Uh, 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 Anderson was a champion. Juice them up on all the drugs and just throw them in there. All right, and let them go. This is master division fighting. I'm good for it. Yeah. So, uh, so. 
as we start talking about other other fighters, so I want to hit these last two real quick. Sean O'Malley said he's not interested in fighting top ten fighters. He's like, just keep giving me tomato cans. He says it pays the same. I can fight a better fighter, or you can give me a tomato can. I'll, I, at least I'll put on a show with a tomato can. I'm, I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at him. You know, he said he said <laughs> Chael Sonnen always says fight the worst dude on the highest part of the card. And I think that that is probably the best advice you could get because if you're yeah. building your career, and I was talking to Kalechi about this a week ago or so, and I was saying, you know, what you need is to fight often and make highlights. Yeah. And so if 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 Sean O'Malley just keeps fighting tomato cans, people that we don't even know, but he's fighting as the int- as the first fight on the main card, he's gonna get more money, and he's yeah. gonna put on a show, and he's gonna make highlights, everybody's seeing them, and so. He gets this bubble that potentially could be Conor McGregor level because he's going to have 15 fights in a row. One, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? In, yep. in electric knockouts and things like that. And then when he says, OK, I want to fight for the title, people are just going to hand it to him. He's not going to have to fight all, all, all the way up the ladder. He's going to have such a big billing uh, and so many people following him that they'll just say, yeah, see, I think it's a great strategy. It's a great strategy, but here's the here's the caveat. People are going to know, and there's going to be that that segment of haters. They're going to be like, "Oh my God, all he fought was tomato cans. He isn't worth this. He ain't done this." I'm like, fifteen knockouts is still fifteen knockouts. I don't right. care if you're a tomato can or not. Okay, you yeah. jumped in, you jumped in the ring, you closed the cage, so you're saying you're confident. Then you're on top of that. You're in the UFC, so you got you apparently impressed somebody enough to say you yeah. can knock anybody else out. A UFC, so, to, a, a UFC tomato can is, is a it, top look, ten somewhere. It's else. still okay. a top ten somewhere. Else. <laughs> so, so you know, it's it's it's. I, I I like his strategy. I like how he's thinking. Um, it will you know it will elevate the level of criticism that he'll have that he hasn't fought. You know, they'll be asked who has he fought, but you know, at the end of the day, if if you can get into the ring, fight for two minutes, three minutes, not take any damage, and get paid $20,000, $30,000, why not do that three, four times a year? You can get paid $40,000 four times a year. That's a, you know, that's, that's a win. That's a great career. Uh, and you and you don't have to train that hard. You don't have to train that hard for tomato cans. Well, still. I mean, like BJ Penn said, the the fight game, as far as the fight game, you're getting paid to work out. Okay, you're getting paid yeah. to make weight. Yeah. After that, everything everything falls in place. And we have seen consistently that Sean O'Malley knows how to put things in place. Right. So put things in their yeah. place, put faces in, in in the dirt. Like, and so yeah. I, I don't think that it's a bad strategy, especially if if he's got multipliers on his contract that says if you win X number of fights in a row, your your pay goes up to X. Then what will happen is the UFC will have to give him bigger fights because it's not going to be worth their pay to say, OK, you've won 15 in a row. Your, your multiplier now has you fighting 80,000 for fight, 100,000 for, for fight to fight 20 over here. Yeah, to fight the number, <laughs> an unranked guy like he, the, he's going to get it. So I, I want other fighters to take notice of this. What we said when when Tyron Woodley was was balking at fighting people as we talked about Luke Rockhold, even Conor McGregor. 
Maybe not so much Conor McGregor because he can he can basically say how much he wants to fight for. But these other right. fighters who complain about fighter pay and who complain about getting you know getting the fights fighting somebody big. No, just fight, just yeah. fight, fight anybody, fight the low guy because if it's if it's easy money, you get a highlight out of it, and you start stringing these wins together. So fight anybody that you can because just fight. Just start fight. destroying them. Yeah, and you're Destroy you're them. at an age. You're 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 young, so you can so this this actually works out for you in the end. Mm-hmm. With him being all he's in his early his early twenties, he could just keep doing this until and, and he can do what we have always told fighters to do, which is wipe out the entire division. Yeah. And then march calmly up to your claim for the belt. Hundred percent. Especially if one of those 14, 15 ranked guys becomes the next great fighter. If you've already got a win against him, it's like, oh yeah, I beat him way back and I made look look at this highlight of me knocking him out and then standing over him, you know, like why should I fight this guy? So you also right. protect yourself from having to fight these guys again when you reach the championship because you've already cleaned them out. This is what Kamaru Usman has essentially done, right? Mm-hmm. Is in having yeah. to fight all of these other dudes He's beaten everybody. So now he's yeah. only got the rematch with with um, with Colby uh, Covington that he has to do right. because Dana. Um, then he's got the fight against Leon Edwards and then maybe a rematch with Gilbert Burns and you're done. Yeah, that's it. Three so fights remember, and you're done. So remember, kids, when your dad said, you know, he told you the story about the two bulls. And it's like, and the young bull's like, "Hey, let's run down there and grab that one bull." And the father was like, "No, my son, we shall walk down this hill and get every bull." That's what he means. Go slowly. I've never heard that story, but what? I will have to look it up. We don't have what? time to go over the story. We don't have to go over oh the story over that bull story. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because we got to talk about eagles. Why are we gonna talk about eagles? I, I'm sure there's a story with that too. Don't get that egg. Go to just fly, fly, fly down to every other mountaintop and get the other eggs at the same time. It, uh, no, it there's the eagle of Dagestan, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Oh, yes, is no longer sitting on his tail in retirement. He is back, uh, potentially back in action, throwing kicks, soccer kicks. What? Reportedly, he has signed a contract to play for FC Legion Dynamo, a Russian soccer team. Now, when you say Russian soccer team, does do they have like are they in like a, a an octagon or a squad? No, a, no, a, it's a, actually like out on the field. It's like it's like a team. Have you seen those team combat videos? Yeah, Is it yeah. like that? No, it's Is it's it, literally no, no. a Russian soccer team, and so uh, basically. Um, FC Legion Dynamo Instagram account uh, shows the Habib Nurmagomedov shaking hands on a deal with the team president Shamil Lakhailov. You know, so, I was looking. So at, there you uh, go, Habib. I'm looking at the Habib soccer player. Looking little, Habib, Habib's looking a little chunky. Okay, he needs to run. Get some of that running. Yeah, I think he needs some endurance. Yeah, I, I, I'm with All you right. on that. Let's let's go ahead and finish this off with the fight card.
All right, this is the fight card. This is where we talk about the fights that are coming up this weekend. UFC Vegas 34, Cannoneer versus Gastelum, Saturdays, August 21st, 2021, in the Apex Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. I've got six fights on the card. Uh, Alexandra, uh, Alexander Pentoja versus Brandon Royville. You know, of course, we follow Brandon Royville from Factory X. Yeah, uh, no, I ain't doing it. Courtney Casey versus Liana Jokua, Jojua, 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 Austin Hubbard versus Vink Pichel. We got Parker Porter versus Chase Sherman, Clay Guida, Captain Caveman himself versus Mark Madsen, and then in the main event of the evening, Jared Cannonier versus Kelvin Gastelum. We're gonna do just the. Huh, what? You need me to what? I'm going to I would need you to refer to Clay Guida as Hall of Famer Clay Guida. Yeah. Captain yeah. Caveman. Hall of Famer Clay Guida, Captain Caveman. Um <laughs> he uh he's fighting uh in the co-main event Mark Madsen. Uh but we're going to make just the fa- flash fight pick on Jared Cannonier versus Kelvin Gastelum. Who you got? I'm going to go Jared Cannonier. His striking okay. is is better. I think he's I think he's just gonna outpace Kel, Kelvin. Kelvin, you know, I don't think he's hit the bike that much. I think his his, his endurance is gonna be a problem. Oof. Um, but I'm I'm talking this talking from an expert expert potential because it's like I haven't hit the hit haven't hit the trails as much. So I know if I got in that ring, I probably got a good three minutes in me. So. All right, all right. I, I'm out, I'm also going with Jared, Jared Cannonier. Both of these guys have disappointed me though. Um, Jared yeah. Cannonier got outclassed by Robert Whitaker, um, and you know, Champion. in many cases, Robert. yeah, well, yeah, but even and Kelvin Gastelum, I believe he also uh, met his fate against Robert Whitaker. So neither one of them really had a great showing, um, and 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 so it's it's just one of those things where it's difficult to know what's going to happen between these guys. But the the shock value of Jared Cannonier, the knockout power that he brings to to the uh, to the cage and Kelvin Gastulum, who used to really wrestle and grapple and set up his strikes um, uh-huh. with the physical nature of his game, um, really kind of has become a pure striker. And I don't think that that fares okay. well to him. So I want to see Kelvin Gastulum get this fight on the ground. I want to see him gas Jared Cannonier out and then set up his boxing and his striking because Jared Cannonier, of course, he is an Adonis with regards to his physique. And so, of course, we know when you have all that muscle mass, when you're bringing all of that into the ring, that fills up with, with blood, and next thing you know, you can barely lift your hands. So I, right. I, I, I want to say if this, if this fight goes short, it's in, it's in Jared Cannonier's favor. If it goes five rounds, I think that Kelvin Gastulum has an opportunity to win four and five. Um, but I'm going to pick Jared Cannonier to win this fight um, before we get there. Fair enough. All right. Follow us on social media on Instagram. I'm at Combat Sports Talk. And I'm at Keys to Victory. All right. Follow the follow the uh all of the activity going on with George G Money Stallworth as he is in California doing the thing, uh being a coach, being a fighter all at the same time with the gold standard of mixed martial artists with the likes of Henry Cejudo. Follow him on Darkside underscore Muay Thai underscored on Instagram. You can also find us on our website at www.combatsportstalk.com. And we are on all of your favorite 
podcasting platforms, setting it up right there. Boom. Look at that. Oh, wow. Look at that. Uh, um, look at that. And, and, and so we want to send a shout out to MMA Junkie, MMA Fighting, MMA Mania, Bloody Elbow, and I see it on your screen, the Intelligent Defense Discussion Group on uh, Facebook. That is where we start a lot of the conversations and get the stories for, uh, that we use here on the show. So on behalf of John Keys, this is Ryan Smith reminding you to keep your hands up, your chin tucked, and throw bombs. We'll catch you next time.